0: This is the Farmer's Podcast. I'm your host, Edgars Grestek, from the Grow Love Project. Each episode, we talk to producers and industry experts about regenerative agriculture, their vision for the future, and what you can do to be part of it. This episode, we talk to farmer and activist, Glenn Morris, about his passion for holistic land management. Twenty years ago, Glenn took over managing a cattle farm property in Grafton, New South Wales. The previous manager had overgrazed the land for thirty years, and this left a strong impression on Glenn.
1: When I got there I, I started to really study the landscape to really observe what was going on and one of the things that really struck me and I suppose has affected me ever since was how much water would tear off the landscape after a heavy fall of rain so this was over at Grafton so we could have six inches of rain which is about a million and a half litres per hectare falling on each hectare of land so it's an incredible amount of water and we could have that much water fall in a rainfall event and then a few weeks later we'd be dry again and a lot of that water would tear off the soil and and you know create erosive effects and what didn't tear off the top of the soil would actually run through the soil so there was no there was no organic matter holding anything together and So we'd go from a period of really heavy rain and the degradation that went on with that to a period of being short of water, and I thought, this is absolutely crazy.
0: It was standing out in these degraded paddocks that Glenn had a revelation. He could see that the answer to taming water flows on his property lay beneath the surface in the quality of the soil.
1: So I started to work out you know, that it was the landscape itself that is the basis of constant water flows. It's the sponge that holds massive quantities of water, and, and I really wanted to sort of you know level that boom and bust effect out.
0: Glenn says he'd been leaning this way for much of his farm management career, but there were a few specific events that really propelled him into action.
1: There was a couple of things that happened which were just chance meetings, I guess. One was an organic conference I went to where I actually came across a book by two Americans that talked about the massive water storage capacity of humus.
0: Now he just mentioned humus, and he's not talking about that tasty Middle Eastern chickpea dip, but rather something in the soil. According to the dictionary, humus is the dark organic matter that forms in soil when plant and animal matter decays. Humus has lots of useful nutrients in it, like nitrogen, which is great for healthy soils. And it's also great at storing water, and that 's what Glenn found in this book
1: It was the first time I'd actually seen it, someone trying to quantify the amount of water that the landscape could hold and I, I actually won that book in a raffle, and i I usually don't you know win raffles, so it was that was amazing in itself that I'd won the lucky door prize but yeah anyway this this book sort of tipped me off to the fact that there's you know there is amazing potential to to you know get an abundance of water back into the to the landscape but then also back into the water cycle so so once you hold more water in the landscape, it basically, you know, through plant processes, transpiration and evapotranspiration, you're basically creating a constant water cycle, which then creates more rain. So if you don't have the healthy soil, it runs off. But if, if you do have the healthy soil, it just keeps getting better mm. and better and better. And this was pretty exciting.
0: It was exciting because around this time, Glenn was also studying a Masters in Sustainable Agriculture at Sydney University about humus and water retention in the soil. His research led him to become more concerned about climate change, which led to a chance conversation with a colleague.
1: I was becoming very concerned about climate change. And he was a real soil expert. And he said, Glenn, if we can, you know, build humus, you know, 1% humus over a hectare, we can store 25 tonnes of carbon. And I started to do the maths on that. And he also mentioned the water holding again. And he said, you know, that, that, you know, one percent humus over a hectare could store massive quantities of water
0: it's Um, it's really interesting when you talk about you know carbon capture and storing it in the earth because you know there's such a sort of negative association with carbon yet it it, carbon is actually really valuable for the earth for it to be there Uh, obviously that's something that you've come across in 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 your research as well
1: yeah that's right and we you know, we're desperately short of it in the landscape in dynamic forms like humus and organic matter and to get that structure back in the soil to hold the biological life which then can create the compounds that we need to prevent disease and, you know, and store water and take that carbon out of the atmosphere. So it's it's really, really, you know, important that every single one of us understand that and this is where we sort of come from from the business angle is is, you know, every single one of us is actually really important in the decisions we make in, in affecting the climate and the water cycle and human health through the decisions we make and we're making those decisions many times a day and if we make the right decisions we can all influence the way the landscape is managed and the way the climate is balanced but it's still still a very remote thought for a lot of people that Every single day you are influencing the thing that is protecting the earth, which is the atmosphere, and until we get that in our heads and start thinking about it regularly, you know, we're going to still see a lot of damage.
0: So as part of spreading that message to farmers and the broader public, Glenn got to work on his own properties. His main tool was time-intensive grazing, which involved managing cattle movements with a focus on soil and grass recovery. Whilst Glenn has achieved many things on the property, including building six kilometres of permaculture swales and planting over 6,000 trees, one of his biggest challenges has been to slow down.
1: One of the things that you really have to work on when you're, when you're looking towards grazing management, we're, we're in a high-input model where we're used to getting the tractor out, we're used to ripping a paddock up, we're used to putting in an intensive new pasture, and you get a short-term gain there and everything looks pretty good on the surface, but whenever you're spraying the soil or whenever you're cultivating the soil, you're actually setting the whole process of carbon sequestration and humus formation backwards. So we really had to work hard at not getting the machinery out and we... (laughs) You know, obviously, went into organics because we wanted to enhance biology. we didn't want to do anything that might cause harm.
0: Was that really challenging at the beginning? You know I know how all of us have habits. Was it a really real challenge to resist going sort of the traditional way that you'd gone all the time, or was it quite an easy thing for you to do
1: i I think it is really challenging because you you know there's a certain sense of satisfaction from starting a tractor up and doing something. <laughs> <laughs> and, Looking after the soil and looking after the biology and looking after nature is a nurturing process but it's it's a very passive approach it's a very slow approach but the impacts on the soil and on nature and on your water storage and as i we'll say on carbon sequestration over a very short space of time historically speaking are massive when you operate it really well mm. you start to get this massive payback because all of a sudden the pastures are just going wow you know i'm feeling really good I'm going to bounce out of the ground and then the stock come through and they bounce back again. And uh, and that's because you fine-tune that rest and recovery and impact strategy. So the plants pay you back by you not forcing something, you know. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, in a way, with the tractors and the technology and the, the inputs, we're forcing something. But when you let nature take its course, it'll... It'll pay you back. Um,
0: was yeah. was there a little bit of a leap of faith required for you to just trust that it's going to happen?
1: I think there was, and that was based on giving nature time to pay us back. And you know, like as I say, if you if you if you get the tractor out and you plant a crop and you put a lot of fertilizer under it, you'll get an instant result. So that's sort of quick payback. But but getting that natural mineral cycle, getting the natural water storage in the soil, it it, it does take time. So there is. There is a fair bit of um, trust that that nature will deliver. And, you know, there was also a lot of old knowledge, a lot of wisdom and people that had done it before. So what we're doing isn't anything new. It was just Mm. really sound agricultural practice, you know, before everyone got hooked on, you know, chemicals and, Mm. and, and, you know, fast results.
0: What would be some sort of small action That a farmer could take immediately, like in the next day, is it reading something? Is it making a phone call? You know, something like that. Is there some small action that you can recommend?
1: It might be a a local workshop, which a lot of farmers are doing now on biological farming, or starting to understand biology, and 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 even looking for. There's some some beautiful words of wisdom in some old books, you know, and, and. And and they really get you thinking, you know, there were some beautiful authors around in the 40s and 50s and Sir Albert Howard and, you know, Lewis Bromfield, picking up those books, reading their stories and seeing the change that they got in those days. And I really love that saying, the the principle of doing no harm because so much of the time we're using substances and practices that are actually knocking the soil around, knocking life in the soil around. So I think we should start to look at ways that you can increase the life in your soil.
0: Well, that is a really wonderful note to end on. So thank you so much for joining me, Glenn, and good luck to you in the future with all your endeavours with the farm and your advocacy work. Thanks again for joining us on the Grow Love Project.
1: You're very welcome.
0: If you want to hear more great stories like this one, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts or anchor.fm. You can also stream or download episodes directly from our website at growloveproject.com. And if you're looking for ways to help transform the future of agriculture or just want to tell someone about a great podcast you found, please make sure to share this with your community. And if you're a farmer with a great story to tell, please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to hello at growloveproject.com. Thanks for listening and join me next time for another episode of The Farmer's Podcast.